Russian haiku and balances the phrase out of the blue. Good morning, and welcome to episode 774. 200 off. 974. That's it. Of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at baseballreference.com and our Patreon supporters. I'm Sam Miller of ESPN, along with Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Hi, Ben. Hello. How's it going? It's been better. Um, let's talk about the Krasniks. <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> Okay. This, is, uh, this has become a, something of an annual tradition. Uh, every year, Jerry Krasnick, the great, great ESPN writer, uh, polls Major League Baseball executives uh, on some hot topics of the day. Difficult questions, both about uh, where players are likely to go, how much, you know, maybe how much they're likely to get, or uh, which player they would prefer among uh, close free agents, or you know, how players are likely to do. Uh, so these are sort of questions where you could debate them, and he he asks he polls GMs, executives, that sort of thing, uh, and gets their responses, which is a uh, all, all already good fun worth reading. But I love it because uh, GMs are horrible at projecting, predicting these things. They're horrible even at predicting like sort of easily verified in retrospect questions um, about how the market is going to behave. And it is a relatively, I would say, benign reminder uh, that even elites are terrible at projecting what's going to happen when November rolls around. Uh, so, Ben, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about last year's Krasniks, and we're going to talk about this year's Krasniks, and we're going to call it a day. All right. All right. So, quickly, we'll go over last year's Krasniks. Um, the first question was, which staff ace would you be more comfortable giving a nine-figure deal David Price or Zach Greinke? Uh, <laughs> have we gone over these? I, 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 if years pass I very quickly these days, so I don't. <laughs> I, we might have done a mid-season Krasnick update, but I don't think. Yeah, we definitely didn't do a close to the end of the season update. So no. Uh, okay. Safe to proceed. So I'm gonna ask what the uh, you're gonna tell me. You haven't seen. You're not looking at this page, are you? No. Okay, so you're going to tell me what the correct answer is in retrospect, and I'm going to tell you how the GMs did, and we're going to see if the GMs did better than coin flip. In my review of a, a decade of these, I found that I think they get the equivalent of 52% right on coin flip style questions. Mm-hmm. So they're just slightly better than blind chance. So, so Granky or Price, which staff ace would you be more comfortable giving a nine-figure deal to? That is a tough one. The correct answer is neither, but I guess if you have to pick one. Uh, so we are evaluating these uh, just based on which has turned out to be better. Yes. Purely, right, not which was the better choice at the time. No, of course not. You're going to tell me whether they were – I'm going to tell you whether they were right based on what we know now. All right. I suppose I'll say price. They said cranky. Yeah. One, uh, one executive called it a push, which is a good reminder in these uh, things that uh, a lot of GMs go off script. And so if they, it was, none said neither. And, uh, and I guarantee you, based on the history of these questions, that many of them considered neither and would have said neither if they'd wanted to, but they didn't. Nobody said neither. Mm-hmm. Anyway, most won't though. All right, Granky won that one. It was close, 1914. Uh, if we consider the answer to be close to a push, then it is close to a push right now. I would yep. give them neither credit nor uh, say that they were wrong. Okay. Which former Uber prospect outfielder will be the better performer over the life of his next contract? Justin Upton or Jason Hayward? (laughs) 
It's another neither. But uh, <laughs> last year's last year's free agency was yeah. unbelievable. Really terrible. Yeah, I guess you'd have to go with Upton. Yeah, you'd have to go with Upton. I think. Uh, I mean, Hayward. Hayward got benched in the postseason. Yeah. Of this year. Yep. <laughs> he still played good defense, and I don't know how how did the uh, how did their overall value compare? It might have been similar. Because Upton had a, a bad offensive year by his standards too, not nearly as bad as Hayward's. But if Hayward was worth, uh, he was worth one point six Fangraphs WAR, and Upton, Upton uh, yeah, Upton is two on reference, and I think Hayward was one point seven on reference. Uh huh. Upton's one point four on Fangraphs, so basically the same. So uh, Hayward got paid more, of course, right, and longer deal. Hayward got paid more, longer deal. Who ages better from here? Hayward's got the better body, but Hayward can't hit. He just can't hit. Right. I mean, maybe they could make him hit. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> He's not getting his dessert until they hit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I, you said I, Upton. You said Upton. Yeah. I think Upton is right at this moment in time. Hayward okay. was the was the pick, 20 to 14. Which free agent power hitter would you rather invest in for the long haul, Chris Davis or Ioannis Cespedes? Guess you'd go with Cespedes. Yeah, clearly it was 17 to 15 with two respondents saying neither. Uh, in favor of Cespedes. So they uh-huh. narrowly got that one right. Which playoff hero is more likely to maintain his October success during his next contract? Colby Rasmus or Daniel Murphy? <laughs> pretty clear answer there. And Daniel Murphy. And it was a pretty clear response. Murphy 22, Rasmus 9. 3 had no preference. Which, again, just... <laughs> It's just an anonymous, it's anonymous survey. <laughs> I guess that's just, is that just apathy? Like, I'm busy, I don't have time to think about this? Or what? I don't know uh, what, what I, your possible reason would be. I think it's the opposite. I, I think that it is people who just can't, and I, I feel this way sometimes too. I mean, look, I've had, I've had like sort of logical argue, uh, debates with my young daughter. And, you know, she's five. She, it does, like I could very easily just do what my parents did and just let me, you know, let her talk and, and then assume she'll grow out of whatever weird opinion she has. But I, and usually I do, so, or I encourage the weird opinion, but sometimes I just really like feel like I want to win this argument. And so maybe I feel like these are people um, who take it too seriously and just cannot give an answer they don't believe in. They just cannot, like there's no... There is no place, no no corner of the world, no matter how small or unseen, uh, where they feel comfortable uh, having a uh, inexact uh, definition of truth, uh, and so they just take it really seriously. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, which of these free agents is more likely to bounce back from his disappointing 2015 season, Ian Desmond or Jeff Samarja? Desmond. Well, they were. I mean, they were both pretty good, but uh, guess I'd go with Desmond. Yeah, I would also go with Desmond, and they went with Samarja. Uh, these are all very close. This might be just in terms of uh, not of, of finding the perfect middle ground where you're going to get a fifty-fifty response, like where you set the over/under. I guess uh, this might be Krasnick's best year. These are all like very narrow, except for the Rasmus uh, Murphy one. If the mm-hmm. Cubs, if the Cubs trade a young infielder in the offseason, is it more likely to be Castro or Baez? Oh, okay, well, yeah. it's the one they traded. Yeah, and they got that right, 20 to 11. Uh, which pending free agent has the best chance of returning to the Royals? Gordon, Cueto, or Zobrist? Okay, the one who returned. Yeah, G- Gordon <laughs> Gordon was the popular pick uh, by a lot. 
and that's all. Mm-hmm. So they did. I, we did go over these early in the season, I think, or sometime in the season. I remember talking about that one. So they mm-hmm. got the two that were uh, the the two that had a clear answer and that were market based. They were they were correct on the five that were about rating players. I would say that they got they got the one clear one right by a lot. Murphy over Rasmus. They got the second basically clear one, Cespedes over Davis, right? Except it was by a narrow margin, so almost no preference. And then the other three turned out to be really close and actually hard to say, and their votes were close and hard to say. So this is the GM's best year, too. You could make a case that they answered every one of these broadly correctly, either by getting it right when it could be gotten right or by showing no strong preference uh, in the ones where they're really was no strong preference to, to be right. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, this is history making. Arguably 7 out of 7 on the Krasniks. <laughs> Alright. Okie doke. On to the next one. Forget how we've played this game in the past. Do I... Are you reading them? Do you have it in front of you? No, I did read them on Friday. Or, yeah, whenever it came out. But I don't think I remember the responses. But I don't know. I might... Hmm. Maybe you should read them, and I should guess the response. Okay. So you haven't you haven't read the responses. I have not yet read the responses. All right. So we'll reverse it. Okay. So the first one is which free agent closer, Kenley Jansen, Roldis Chapman, or Mark Melanson, will provide the best value for the contract he's likely to command? Hmm. Oh well, this is a tough one for the GMs because they have to predict two things they're bad at predicting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> contract and as a, how good as, you are. Yeah, as a ratio to each other, too. They have to do <laughs> math as well uh, on the fly. So this is a tough one. I will say before I guess what their answer is that I think in, in retrospect, I, we talked at, I think we talked at the time of the deadline trades about how odd it was to me that Chapman and Melanson have been essentially the best, uh, you know, equal, not the best, but equal relievers for any you know, reasonable length of time. If you go back one year, two year, three years, or four years, they yeah. have been equally good at run suppression, and yet they're viewed totally differently. And even when the market had a choice, and of course it's very complicated, the timing of trades and and so on, and what the Cubs decided to give up and all that. But when the market had a choice on the trade deadline, Chapman got you know cost a lot more than Melanson did, and you know Melanson I think validated that position. He uh, had a after going to the Nationals, he had a 1.82 ERA. He had um, you know 27 strikeouts and three walks. He um, was as you know basically as good as you would ever bank on a reliever being, and that was consistent with his his career performance. And Chapman, the one who's supposed to be the one who's unhittable, and you get him for the you know one inning that the whole season depends on in the World Series, got into that inning and turned out to not actually be invincible as none of these pitchers are and probably the gap between him and Melanson is is tiny tiny and yet seems to be a lot bigger I mm-hmm. so I would say that my own personal answer is that um, Melanson will end up getting paid fairly considerably less than Chapman mm-hmm. maybe maybe also partly because of age but but you know I would say relatively uh, big gap between them and I don't see them being having a gap between them as pitchers particularly so my own answer would be Melanson I believe that most GMs will answer this question almost entirely uh, on the basis of who is better. And they, uh, they all think Chapman is better. They all think Jansen is the second best. And they probably all think Melanson is the worst. 
So I will say that the answer is how many GMs were surveyed? 36. 36. I'm guessing the breakdown is going to be 24-9-3 with Chapman at 24, Jansen at 9, Melanson 3. That was incorrect. So the GMs and various other personnel have Jansen at the top at 19, and apparently that's because he broke into baseball as a catcher, and the theory is that he would have less wear and tear on his arm. At least that's what Krasnick cites. And then Melanson in second with 11, and then Chapman in six. Oh. And, uh, and no, two, no, people, no two people didn't answer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, let's see. So one of the assistant GMs did say basically what you said. He said, I'll go with Melanson simply because I think he gets about half what the other two guys get. He's not as dominant, but he's certainly better than 50% of those two guys. Uh, so wait. <laughs> that's oh, not okay. exactly what you said, I, but that I like. Okay, I, I read that quote as he's better than one of those two guys, and it seemed uh-huh. very coy. But he's better than half of those guys, is what the GM yeah. saying. Okay, right. Yeah, one ALGM says about Chapman, he does it the easiest of the three, which I think makes him the best bet to maintain what he has. I don't really think of Chapman as a guy who does it that easy but I guess I guess it's easy I guess he he throws really hard and it's almost all he has to do so I guess that's easy but maybe it's just because he's so dependent on the velocity I mean he could he could lose a lot on his fastball and at least in theory it would still be a good fastball so I guess that makes sense I don't even know what that would mean what does easiest mean do you I don't think know whether easiest means like mechanically maybe or like you could say it's the most it's most nat like it's mo- the most clearly natural gifts and and like uh, he doesn't have to practice or you could but i assume that that means that he his saves are cleaner less stressful you put him in and you don't worry about it because he's so dominant but like melanson has a better whip over the past four years uh, and he's allowed fewer home runs over the past four years. And those are basically the two ways that saves get busted is you, or that they get scary, I should say, is that either you put runners on and then you're more scared, or you have the threat of a home run at, on every pitch. And Melanson is like the, the least homer-prone closer and uh, allows fewer base runners than these other two guys. Yeah. So yeah. he, he makes it look pretty easy. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. And at least one person, the AL scout, cites Chapman's off-the-field problems, which Mm -hmm. uh, is a valid thing to take into account. So, All right, next question. Do you think the Cleveland Indians will trade Andrew Miller this offseason? If yes, where will he wind up? I think over the weekend, the Indians said that they were not going to trade him, or there was some rumor that they were not looking to trade him or something like that, which could be posturing. Could be their position right now, but things change, or it could be the actual honest to goodness truth. I would say I'm more confident they won't trade him because I read that than I would have been a few days earlier. This would be an interesting question to add Cody Allen to because I do think they will trade one of them. I don't know which one it will be. Uh, uh-huh. And if, if I were them, I don't know. I'd have to hear what was being offered. Okay, so I think that the GMs will answer. The second question here is really messing with me because I feel like if all the GMs said no, mm-hmm. that Krasnick would have just chopped the second question from the story. <laughs> uh-huh. So that to me is a hint that a somewhat significant number said yes. <sighs> Krasnick. 
you're, you're so good at making me care. I, I would have said that the answer would be overwhelmingly no, but I'm now going to say that it is 21 no's. No, I'm going to say 23 no's, 13 yeses. It was actually overwhelmingly no. Okay. So all but two, or I guess all but three. There were 35 no's, two yeses, and one who said they'd trade him at the deadline. So of the two yes voters, one said the Dodgers, one said the Mets. But yeah, your instinct was cr- correct. No, no, my instinct was... Well, your instinct, except for parsing Krasnick's <laughs> question by, phrasing. By the way, that's 37 respondents. Yeah. And so you told me 36 for the first one. So he's picking up GMs as he goes along. There were 36 with the first one, but two non-responses. I see. And then this one is 37 plus. And then this one plus. was 37 plus the deadline. All right. Yeah. I'm bad at this. <laughs> All right. Number three, which free agent slugger do you like best? Edwin Encarnacion, Ioannis Cespedes, Mark Trumbo, or Jose Bautista? I saw some of the early free agent rankings and was shocked by how low Jose Bautista was. Like, I think I saw one of the big ones, I think, had him not in the top 10 free agents. And of course, this is a terrible year for free agents. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was at the bottom of the top 10. But I personally think that Jose Bautista is still really good and that, um, you know, he's he's getting up there and I'm not sure I would want to give him a, a massive deal. But I don't know that I see permanent decline yet there. But to the question, which free agent slugger do you like best? Well, it's not going to be Trumbo mm-hmm. at all. I will say zero, say Trumbo. Nothing against Trumbo, but this is a pretty good list. Cespedes plays, if the, if the emphasis is on slugger, if it's on whose slugging do you like best, I think Encarnacion would win this. I think that he, uh, if, if you go into this offseason saying we need a big bat, Encarnacion's big bat looks the biggest. But, of course, uh, if the emphasis is on the total player, Cespedes plays a, a position and uh, would probably have, I mean, obviously, if you're an NL team, how do you answer this question? You have three DHs and a Cespedes, uh, kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, so for that reason, I will say that Cespedes will win, that he will get the NL vote especially, uh, and that it will be 23 Cespedes, 13 Encarnacion, one Bautista, and one, will it be none, no preference, don't like any of them, or a tie. I will go no preference. So there are actually half responses in this one, and I don't know what that means. (laughs) There's no explanation of what a half response is. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Uh, I think that a half response just means somebody named two. Okay. So, and the probably winner... <laughs> and probably was very particular about how he was represented. And so uh-huh. Krasnick's like, "Okay, cool. I'll put you down as a as a both." And the guy goes, "No, you better put me down as a half for each." <laughs> yeah. So the winner is Encarnacion at seventeen and a half, narrowly edging out Cespedes at seventeen. Oh, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it's the halves tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And then. It's Trumbo at one and a half and Ooh, Bautista good. at one. Oh, good for Trumbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I like All right. I'm bad. Number four. I'm doing bad, Ben. Well, you're doing bad at predicting what it's the hard. GMs say, but maybe you're doing well at predicting the correct answers. It is really like they say, you can't predict baseball <laughs> predictions. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> number four, what's the most likely scenario? Number one, Ryan Braun gets traded. Number two, Yasiel Puig gets traded. Number three, they get traded for each other. Ooh, uh, n- nobody with a conscience could pick three. <laughs> right? You, you... I'm not giving anything away. I think that overwhelmingly GMs around baseball probably think Puig is going to get traded. I think that they largely believe Braun will, or at least a lot do, but less likely than Puig. I think that you would have, if if everybody answered, if everybody read this question correctly and took it seriously, I think that it would be unanimous for Puig. I don't think that they will respond unanimously for Puig, though. I think that you'll have a, a you'll get some boaths and you'll get one guy who says three. But uh, I'm going thirty-one five one one. All right, it is Bron gets traded oh, thirteen. Yeah, they're <laughs> traded for each other nine. No. Puig gets traded nine. No. <laughs> so what this is saying, what this is saying is that people think that it is fifty percent likely. People who think Puig is going to get traded believe that it is fifty percent likely that he will get traded for Ryan Braun, and fifty percent likely that he will be traded for anything else. The entire field yeah, yeah. of trade I don't possibilities. Think these responses make logical sense. <laughs> <laughs> and Braun as well. It's it's like the they think that the Brewers go out with Braun, go out to take Braun shopping, and are forty percent likely to get Puig, and sixty percent likely to trade with any other team in baseball for anything else. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah, I prefer your answer. What do you think are the chances that Ryan Braun and Puig get traded for each other this year? Like, if you if you if it was a betting market, when would you buy? I'd give it about a twenty percent probability. I'd give it a three percent probability. Okay. What are the odds? What about for Braun gets traded? Forty-five. Yeah, I'd go thirty-five, thirty or thirty-five. The Brewers aren't that far away. Mm-hmm. And you know, Braun could be part of a Braun could definitely be part of the next good Brewers team, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Uh, and then, what are the what? Uh, when would you buy it? Puig gets traded. Sixty. Uh, yeah, I'd go like seventy-five or eighty. Okay. I wait. Can I just say, I my they did have. You hear different things about what the market was like for Puig last summer. There, there. I think there was a general consensus in in the public sphere that Puig might might never play for the Dodgers again. Uh, yeah. And yet you also heard that there were teams that asked about him and that the Dodgers weren't just giving him away. Uh, so you could you I, you could go too confident in either direction based on like the slivers of information that we got that were somewhat contradictory about Puig last summer. Yeah, I wouldn't be too confident just because, as I think some of the people in the Krasnick responses mentioned, they don't want to look bad like they ran him out of town and then he becomes a superstar somewhere else, which is quite plausible. So, yeah. Or is it? All right. Yeah. All right. This one's going to be tough for you to answer because it's very open-ended. So it just says, which free agent this winter do you think will lend a contract that's far and... (laughs) <laughs> Far above and beyond what people expect, i.e. the what were they thinking award. Oh, well, Rich Hill. Well, so... Let me give let me give more answers than that. Somebody, I forget who, reported that uh, maybe Rosenthal, I think it was Rosenthal, who said the craziest thing that he heard a GM say 
in the GM meetings was that Ivan Nova was going to get five years and seventy five million. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that would be a good one. Yeah, um, Ivan Nova is the the leading vote getter. Okay, eight eight responses. All right, so I'll just leave it at Nova and Rich Hill. And let me let me think of one hitter. Who's a hitter who is going to get way overpaid? I guess I'll say Encarnacion. Rich Hill is tied with Jeremy Hellickson for second with six responses each. The top hitter is Desmond with five, but then Encarnacion is the second ranked hitter at three. And pretty much everybody is named. Yeah, there are a bunch of Kashner, Cespedes, Reddick, Saunders, Batista, yeah. Trumbo, Chapman, Turner, Napoli, Weeders, Holland, Blanton, Castro. In case it sounds weird, I am scrolling behind Ben. I'm, I'm, so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm now looking at the responses. So I'm not looking in advance, but if I seem familiar with some of the text here, it's because mm-hmm. I'm reading it. Josh Reddick doesn't seem like a guy who's going to get a what were they thinking type contract. No, wouldn't have occurred to me. Okay. Oh, Matt Weeders does though. Matt Weeders is a good answer. Yeah, I guess he I, didn't I'm even not get a qualifying offer, so I don't know. I'm not saying he he will get that, but you can see a universe where he he does. All right. They should just they should just name this the Jason Hayward Award, joked an AL front office man. Hayward didn't shock the industry, did he? He was the number one free agent on the market last year and he got yeah, yeah. Uh, and he got 30 million less than two other guys. No, that's purely a, a hindsight joke. Okay. Yeah. All right, number 6, will Chris Sale be traded this offseason? If your answer is yes, what do you think is his most likely destination? I say the answer is going to be I, I, I think the answer is yes, and I think that the most likely destination is the Dodgers, and I think that the GMs will say that the answer is yes, and that they will say the answer is the Dodgers. They are split 18 to 18, yes, no, with two no responses, <laughs> and they have the most likely destination as the Red Sox with five destina- with uh, five choices, Dodgers in second with four. I'm going to give the no response guys credit here. I'm I'm just going to assume that they're on the White Sox in the, you know <laughs> that they are White Sox be. and that yeah. they're just that's just good ethics. Uh-huh. So that's actually it. Is that shorter than the the usual Krasnick? It varies every year. Mm-hmm. Six, it's, you know, 6 to 8 usually. Mhm. Well, that's it. Yeah, it's, uh, good. Well, good. I loved it. Mhm. Learned a lot. Yeah. Krasnicks are always fun, so uh, we'll link to it in the Facebook group and in the blog post at BP. Did you, did you, uh, in reading these, did you have your mind changed about anything? I'd say no, probably. I think no. I um, I had my mind changed about whether the Indians are likely to trade Andrew Miller. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone that heavy in the no side. I would have been more no than yes, I think, but probably not that lopsided. Okay. All the people who are saying, you know, like he's making nine million and the Indians aren't a team that can afford to spend nine million on a closer or, you know, whatever the combined cost of Miller and Allen is. I mean, that's that's not that much money, is it? I mean, it's nine million for Andrew Miller is like a bargain. I I don't see why even if you're the Indians, you can't afford to do that, seeing as they are willing to use Miller in this way that makes him extremely valuable to them. So that doesn't seem like an overcommitment for a low payroll team. Well, what do you? Th- what would you expect that their payroll, their team payroll, will be next year? It was it was eighty three million dollars last year. I mean, you you have to admit if they stay at eighty three million, then having twenty percent of your payroll going to to relievers is uh, something that I'm sure they would be 
you know, hesitant about doing that. Like, it's not a lot of money for most teams, but if you have that low payroll, the flexibility that you have starts drying up very quickly. And I think we've seen teams like, you know, the Rays, they just have a different threshold for what is a good price for them because they need some ability to move and maneuver. Yeah, but they also have Terry Francona and they know what he can do with that bullpen tandem in the postseason. So, I mean, it got them to the World Series this year, even without most of their starting rotation. So I would think if you have that combination of personnel and manager, it is worth it to them. There's two things, though, that made Miller so valuable. One is that Miller was great at pitching, and the other is that Terry Francona used his best reliever in an unconventional way. And you could do the second part of that even without Andrew Miller. You could, I mean, if you wanted to be really aggressive with Cody Allen and Brian Shaw and whatever third reliever piece that you get who costs a lot less than Miller, or with Miller and Shaw and whatever third reliever piece you get that costs a lot less than Allen, you could still get some of the benefits of managing optimally, regardless of who he is. Yeah, assuming the reliever you get is just as willing to be used that way as Miller. Uh Yeah. All right. Should we end it there? Yeah, sure. All right, so that will do it for today. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. Five listeners who have done so already, Charles Edward Brooks, Joel Hirsch, Dan Irving, Matthew Lum, and Jacob Nathan. Thank you. You can buy our book, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, Our Wild Experiment Building a New Kind of Baseball Team, and you can also vote for our book in the Goodreads Choice Awards. In the nonfiction category, we have advanced to the semifinal round, presumably thanks to votes from you. So we ask you to vote once more. Voting in this round is open until the 13th. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild, and you can rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription to the Play Index at baseballreference.com using the coupon code BP. And you can contact me and Sam at podcast at baseballperspectives.com or by messaging us through Patreon. We will talk to you again soon. Thank you.